0: Live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Welcome to Ticket Weeknights. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: Austin Norman with you here on the Husker Extra Hour on 93.7 The Ticket and the Ticketfm.com. If you've got uh, thoughts, if you've got questions on Nebraska football, 17-9 to 9 win over Northwestern, let me know. 402-464-5685. That's the sarder heyman text line. Send those questions in. We'll get through them uh, with our two experts. Uh, we'll lead off with Sam McEwen here in just a sec. Tom Chattel will join us around 430 30. Big thanks to Allo Fiber for sponsoring our VIP line at Aloe Fiber. They understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We go there right now and we do welcome in Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. Sam, by the week, Nebraska looks more and more Big Ten West, fewer than 250 yards of total offense, but the Huskers find a way to squeak out with a 17 to 9 win uncharacteristic mistakes from Northwestern in key moments. Northwestern looked a lot more like Nebraska we've seen recently than Nebraska did. Matt Rule might actually have changed something. It's kind of incredible.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Northwestern did have a couple of penalties that don't typically befall Northwestern. But Nebraska's defense answered the dinner bell over and over. I mean, they, uh, uh, Nebraska's defense has a really good defensive line, which we wouldn't have predicted. Uh, before the season, or you know, nine months ago, but but it has improved, Austin. It, it it's gotten it's gotten better, and certainly Terrence Knight deserves some credit. Other people do too, but you know that that group is that group's been pretty extraordinary this season. And uh, you know, I you got to tip your cap to to what Nebraska's doing there and, and what they've done overall on the defense. They, I mean, they really play hard. They hustle, they run. Uh, They're aggressive, but but they really play hard. It's the kind of defense that I think people around here have been waiting for 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 some time.
1: I agree. Let's start with the the playing hard. We'll get back to the defensive line. Three touchdown-saving plays by different guys. You have Isaac Gifford... Um, Getting touched by two different offensive linemen, but still knifing through to make the tackle. You have Omar Brown saving a touchdown on a run that really looked reminiscent of Greg Bell against Colorado, where the running back breaks into the open field and gets caught from behind. And then Malcolm Hartzog gets burned, but catches Bryce Kurtz before he can make it to the end zone. Mm -hmm. Not perfect execution from Nebraska on any of those three plays, but players stepped up in big moments and kept three touchdowns off the board, three game-changing plays.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, the Gifford play was, was extraordinary. Um, And, you know, I, I I think, I think it was one of those kind of plays that typifies, you know, who Gifford is Mm. and and, and the kind of player he is. Uh, He, he peeled out of the blitz just at the right time to go, to go make that tackle. So he had the sixth sense that something wasn't quite right. And then he fought through a couple of guys to get there, and it was I, again, it was it was the best defensive play of the season that I've that I've seen so far. So, uh, and Matt Rule pointed it out. And anytime Matt Rule points out a play, I mean that's it's notable. On the other two, you're just talking hustle. Obviously, the, the Northwestern running back is a big guy and probably wasn't going to make it to the end zone, but, but uh, Omar Brown got got to him, and then yeah, uh, Hartsog was able to run Kurtz down. And Northwestern just—they struggle in the red zone. Obviously, when you when you compress that when you compress that area down there, Nebraska just gets really tough. They have a they have a good defensive scheme for the red zone. Um, I can't remember what their red zone touchdown percentage is right now, but it's not real high. And they they do a nice job of uh, of making it hard on teams. So uh, Nebraska is doing a lot of things right right now. It's you know defensively they they are now they're not playing great teams right. Um, there aren't a lot of great offenses in the Big Ten. And Michigan might be one. Probably, uh, they're going to face a couple down the stretch. I mean, I I think Purdue's got ability. And they are probably spent the week thinking about how they can fix some of their mistakes. Some of their mistakes are just related to ball security. And then Maryland's got some stuff going on, too. So Nebraska will get challenged a little bit, I think, down the stretch here. But uh, certainly for the most part, um, Nebraska's defense has held its own all the way, and and has played very well in a lot of games.
1: There's a lot of similarities between this defense in 2021 just in terms of storylines and getting put in some bad situations and having to bow up time and time again. Eventually that 2021 defense would break, and Nebraska would lose a one-score game, but each of the last two games for Nebraska even go back and point to a couple plays early at Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. This defense has stood up I think you credit the players, but I think the messaging from Tony White and Matt Rule for not giving those guys an excuse, I mean, hearing I think it was uh, Prince Will and Manuel and say, it's just an excuse to get back on the field. We're looking forward to it. You know, we don't like our offense turning it over, but it's an opportunity, a chance for us to play more football. Is it just that mindset that's made that big a difference in just two years?
0: Some of it, I think, is the mindset. I think that's a little bit of it. I would say that some of it is. They're, they're eating a little more time off the clock on offense. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily leaving the defense in better positions, but the defense is facing fewer plays. Uh, the, the clock changes have, have affected it. And then Nebraska's special teams, uh, is, is not god awful. Uh, <laughs> and it was in, in, in 2021. People, uh, may forget some of that. You know, uh, Nebraska's defense, I think the special teams gave up. Seven points against Michigan State. Seven points against Iowa. I think there might have been a uh, two against Illinois. Two against Oklahoma. Uh, there might have been another one. In was there, there a too, kick return where... against Wisconsin? Yep. Seven against. Seven against Wisconsin, and there might have been another one in there. I, I don't really remember, but but Nebraska's special teams was was uh, maybe the worst that we've ever seen. Um, and I, I mean the Michigan State game and then the Illinois game, that, that was the I mean the most uh, you know, deficient collection of, of special teams moments I've, I've seen in Nebraska football history. And so to be clear, there's other things that have gotten better because they've gotten a little bit more competent. Now there's still five games left that could change, but I think for the most part Nebraska is getting better in some areas. And you know they're, they're not killing themselves in some areas. they're not hurting themselves as much. Uh, I think that's positive, uh, but again, there's there's still a ways to go. This, this thing is not over yet, and, and Nebraska has won four games, right? Mm-hmm. And they could they could lose their last five. I mean, they, it's possible. So you can't you can't really let off the gas pedal here. And I would dare say that if they did against Purdue what they did in, against Northwestern in the first quarter, I don't think they win the game. I think Purdue puts ten on the board, maybe not fourteen. But they'll put 10. they got better football players than Northwestern, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. So Nebraska's not going to be able to do that against Purdue. Purdue's a better offensive team than Illinois and better than, than Northwestern. So that'll, that's something Nebraska will have to take into account.
1: Nebraska's best four-quarter performance for my money this year was Northern Illinois. They played three better quarters against Northwestern after that first quarter. Um, But the fourth quarter against Illinois, they had plenty of chances to let it slip. So if you play another one of those two, I think Purdue's in the game. Circling back to that defensive line, though, Sam, we talked a lot in the offseason about the 3-3-5, but we have to remember, too, that Tony White and Matt Rule said, we want to get our best guys on the field. Tony White and his defensive staff, Terrence Knighton on the D-line, said five defensive linemen might just work against a mediocre Northwestern offensive line, and it did. Eight sacks, they dominate that last drive of the game, they finish the game with a sack, what did you make of the five-man defensive front?
0: Well, it's effective when you're, you know, when you're in a situation where you're able to rush the passer on third and long consistently, which which Nebraska was able to do. So they, they Northwestern, you, you don't usually run tempo going into third and long, third and eight, third and nine. So there were circumstances where, you know, Northwestern was in third and three and they had a false start. I think that happened two different times. And at that point, you rotate your defensive lineman onto the field. You go after the quarterback, and so there were some circumstances that I think helped get all five of those guys on the field. I don't know Northwestern wanted to run tempo, but it wasn't always easy. I thought it worked, and 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 again, I think it probably would work against a number of teams. It's a question of whether you can get manageable uh, or long yardage situations that uh, that make it that make it less risky. You know, on on third a third and three. There's a lot of different things a team can do and and that 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 defensive line may not get back there. But but when you know, when they're able to pin their ears back and just go, uh, I thought it was effective. So there's yeah, I mean they're doing a nice job with with mixing and matching personnel and, and they have a pretty good idea. And again, the moment in time the Big Ten West is bad. Offense in college football isn't real good right now. There's a few teams that are really good. But in general, it's not. Um, I think what you're seeing is that a lot of the elite offensive players uh, and offensive tackles and quarterbacks and other things, they're, they're leaving school
2: mm-hmm.
0: and going to the NFL. And you have these other kids that are you know now in their fourth or their fifth or in some cases their sixth year because of COVID. And you're just seeing the defenses get way better. And, and, and so, you know, we're going to have a couple more years of this because – if you were a freshman in 2020, uh, you that, that year didn't count. And so that wasn't even your redshirt year, if, even if you didn't play. So 2021, your redshirt, that was your redshirt year. So you've got third-year redshirt freshmen in 2022, fourth-year redshirt sophomore in 2023. Maybe they're not good enough to play in the NFL, but they're good enough to stick around college for six years. I think you're going to see college football – remain defense heavy until this whole thing the whole COVID process washes out and it's not going to wash out till 2026 Woo. because anybody that comes into a program at tw- in 2020 they didn't have that year didn't count and then 2021 could be a redshirt year and you can legitimately have six year seniors playing in 2025 uh, who are 24 years old and a lot of times on offense, those guys are gone. They're gone mm-hmm. by then. They just aren't around. There's a couple quarterbacks, you know, Tanner Mordecai, a few others. But a lot of times, those defensive players, if you can keep them around for six years, you'll keep them around for six years. In this case, I think that you're going to see more and more of that. Whereas, you know, Caleb Williams is gone. Drake May is going to be gone. Uh, Jaden Daniels is going to be gone. Uh, Phoenix is in at six years, so he'll be gone anyway. But... But a lot of the great quarterbacks are going because they're going to the NFL. So uh, Nebraska is going to benefit from this for a while, and I think they're going to be good on defense for a while if they can keep all these guys in the fold.
1: It's a similar trend in college basketball as well, where if you can get a bucket, you're going to the NBA. But that's why I think Nebraska basketball stands to benefit with, with an older team. That's a different conversation for a different time. Agreed. No, I agree with you, for sure. Um yeah. The man in the middle of the defensive line back on Husker football, Nash Hutmacher, maybe his best statistical game with those two and a half sacks. He's really come into his own this year. What do you make of his scheme fit in this 3-3-5? Three, three, is, this, is this the version of Nash Hutmacher we were promised a couple of years ago?
0: Yeah, I think you have to get a lot of credit to Corey Campbell. Um, Matt Rule You know, credited Kristen Coggin, too, the, the nutritionist, um, which, yes, for sure. I think Corey Campbell has made Nash Hutmacher a more agile player, though, and I don't know if Food can do that, but maybe that helps in the process. But Campbell's really done a good work with Hutmaker because, you know, Nash has always been really hard to move.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's a hard person to block. He didn't didn't always make plays. And what's happened is he's become agile. And I think he's maybe moved away a little bit from the um, pure brute strength, can't move the guy wrestler to this. You know, like – this is a football player. This isn't a wrestler who happens to play football. This is a very active, uh, quick twitch football player who who's really hard to block. And you know, centers are struggling with him because he's not small. He's three twenty five, but he's also not. You can't get your pads into him very easily. You know, because he's a little compressed. He's you know he's six two. Um, you know, like for example, Ruquan Buckley is is a taller guy, and you can get you can get into him a little bit because he's taller. Uh, Jordan Riley was the same way. These were good football players. Jordan Riley's in the NFL, but Huntmaker's hard to get a hold of because he's he's not real tall. He's about six two and a half, but he's agile and he's strong. So it's it's a challenge for 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 linemen to. You know, he can play over some guys. He can play under some guys. There's some things that he's doing really well that are just challenging now that he can move. And you know, 300, six foot two, six foot three, 300 pound linemen who can move are are really valuable uh, even in the NFL. And I think Nash is going to get some looks now. I, you know, now it's possible he comes back. I could see that happening. I, I think in one more year like this would. Would put him in really nice territory, but but uh, but he's going to get some looks after the season based on what he's done so far because that's a guy that you can that's a guy who can play the run or the pass. It reminds me of Malik Collins. Malik mm. was like that too, and about the same height, about the same height, also a wrestler. So um, I think I think Nash is comparing favorably at this point to Malik.
1: I, I like that comparison in terms of the, the play on the field, but in terms of the decision ahead of him, maybe more Vincent Valentine-esque, I think Valentine could have been served by another year back in school.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, Vince, Vince uh, I think, was going to go because he he wasn't going to play for, uh, and of course that guy left anyway, but he wasn't playing for that coach again, and <laughs> the guy at the time, and, and, and Vince was, you know, I think he had different interests, and so... Uh, he wanted to get going uh, Malik had a family to to support mm-hmm. if he had come back he probably have been a first round pick but he wanted to go and and Malik had the work ethic you know yeah. I, I, I think Malik was was just in general a better football player than Vincent Valentine but but he also had the want to which is why he's still in the league and he's on I believe a third contract so uh Nash I think will be that kind of player you know and, and Ty Robinson's gonna much pub this year because he has a slightly different role, but but he played really well on Saturday, and in fact, dare to say, he played better than Nash, uh, and he's going to keep coming so long as he stays healthy. I think you're going to see a lot from this line over the last five games of the year, but you're also going to see them play some teams where their quarterbacks can get the ball out, right? and so they're going to have to get a little tighter on their coverage, and if Nebraska's they don't have many weaknesses on defense, but, but they play man-free coverage, so you can beat them deep. That's one thing that happens. The other thing that they will do is you, if you can, if you can get a little bit of time, those linebackers don't always get quite the right drops, and they're not huge. So they're not six five, you know, Erlocker in a zone. You you can get it over those guys, but most of these teams that are playing just don't have the ability to hit their tight end. I mean, Nebraska has not really been hurt by a tight end. Uh, outside of Michigan. I mean, they, they've they been pretty good against guarding that middle pass.
1: A tight end could have hurt Nebraska down towards the end of the game, but Sullivan held on to the ball against the Blitz, and then Hartzog blew up the same play on back-to-back plays uh, to prevent a touchdown. We're talking with Sam McEwen here of the Omaha World-Herald on the Husker Extra Hour. Sam, let's briefly touch on the Husker offense. Let's start at the quarterback position with Heinrich Harburg. Not his best game. I wasn't very impressed, but he learned a lot, I think, while still being able to win the game. And that, I think, is big, and that he wasn't at his best for any number of reasons with the injuries in an older Northwestern defense. But that's a gamer at quarterback, a guy that found a way to improve off a rough start and didn't let it bury his team.
0: I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I, the things that Heinrich does well speak to his competitiveness and his resourcefulness. So he's pretty good on third down. Um, I think he was over the line on the first third down conversion. It was very close. Um, they didn't review it. I thought Northwestern should have challenged that. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Uh, but but he's resourceful. He's pretty good at that. Like that, he was good at that in high school. He could move around the pocket. He could he could uh, manipulate, run around, and he was good that at that in high school. He, he practiced that in high school. He's still good at that. I think that the areas where he can get better, and I'm sure he knows this, is when you know you've got a play that's that teed up, like that uh, that little uh, reverse bootleg out comeback route, or it wasn't a comeback route, it was a wheel route. Might have been easier for him if it had been a comeback route, mm-hmm. but it's a wheel route. You you got to hit that pass. That that was that was a big miss. That was his biggest mistake of the game. Maybe even more than the interception, the first interception. Uh, when when you're, when your coach gives you a play uh, that uses your athleticism. You know, all you got to do is get that ball, you know, five yards off the ground, in its general area, and you're not able to do it. it you know that, that's a miss, and and so they they got to work on that. That was a miss. Uh, I think he can he can certainly get better at, you know, when he hits the top of his drop, getting it out. Now they got a couple to Fedoni, um, just a couple of quick ones, which I thought was good. They need it. They do do that more. That, you, know, you need to be able to throw the ball for a four- or five-yard gain because you're just not going to hit, you know, five-yard right runs every single time on first down. So they hit that play. I thought that was good. Um, you know, he'll, he'll continue to grow, but he's a, he is good in improvisation, and he's certainly tough. And uh, the option stuff, you know, I encourage you to have uh, – you, you guys got option quarterbacks and option running backs. I think they can tell you what he could do differently – um, to make those plays work. I will say that on that 20-yard run, if he, if he runs right at the Northwestern de- defender and presses the hole just a little bit, uh, that's a touchdown because he could pitch it, and, mm-hmm. and Emmett Johnson has a clear lane outside the numbers to, to the end zone. Um, the way that fans can tell what's going on on those plays is to watch where the receivers are positioned. Where, what the receiver expects to happen is probably what should have happened. And if people look at that play, they'll see that Nebraska blocked it beautifully downfield for a pitch. And uh, Harvard's just going to have to continue to learn how that, how that play is designed. And, and, uh, and sometimes you pitch it early. On that one, I think what you do is you kind of press it until the guy gets right at you, then you pitch it. And, and it would have been a pretty easy score, to be honest with you. So those are all things that he'll continue to work on.
1: Not to cross sports references again, but it's like a two-on-one in basketball. Make the guy guard you. If he's not going to guard you, keep it. If he does step up to you, then that's when you pitch it. But I'm glad you brought up Emmett Johnson. I thought he was really impressive in the postgame press conference. I'm not going to lie. A couple weeks ago, I was worried when Josh Fleeks was elevated above him on the depth chart that that was kind of a message about what this coaching staff thought of him. But he gets the start. 12 carries, 73 yards, showed some toughness, showed some quickness. I think that's a step forward for Emmett Johnson. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I thought I thought he ran hard for sure. I think uh, he's tough, not afraid. You know, most of these backs, including Emmett, the majority of their careers have been spent, you know, in high school, and you know, being tough at that level and running in between the tackles. And I think I think if Emmett plays five games and does that, I think he's going to feel the toll of it. And so well, you you've got to find ways to make sure. That you're getting him the ball in space, and that you know he's he's not getting rocked. And he didn't get rocked. I didn't think Harvard got rocked
1: a couple times. Um, yeah, I
0: thought yeah, Emm- Emmett got hit hard a couple of times, but upper body and, and you know ribs and, and protecting that stuff. Um, I it, to me it looks like Emmett, much like Ramirez, is pretty pretty well built uh, in the in the legs and knees area, and and he's probably not going to worry as much about a, a knee or a hip injury like Gabe Irvin's had, Because Gabe's really heavy on the bottom and, and also heavy on top. Um, but you got to make sure that you're, you're, you're protecting a back like that and, and uh, helping him to absorb the blows and, and know how not to take a, a big hit. So we'll see. It's, it's, it's maybe the hardest position to play in terms of just a complete lack of fear. Mm. you got to be a great athlete to play running back, an elite athlete, and then you just can't cannot be afraid for a half second, and you have to be probably the toughest guy on the field because the abuse you're going to take at that position is significant. And we'll see. You know, this was the first good game. Can you put together five of them, and can you stay healthy? You know, because Ramir Johnson could do all the things that Emmett was doing, but he got, he got hurt, and emmett has got to stay upright. At 5'11", 190, we'll see if he does.
1: It's Sam McKeown of the Omaha World Herald with us on our Aloe VIP line. Sam, as always, appreciate the time. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk next week.
0: Take care, brother.
1: Once again, Sam joins us on our Aloe VIP line brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We'll step aside, take a break. When we get back, we'll bring on Tom Chattel, also of the Omaha World Herald, as we continue the Husker Extra Hour here on 93.7 The Ticket.
2: Back to the ticket weeknights
0: on 93.7 The Ticket and Ticketfm.com.
1: Austin Norman with you inside the 93.7, the Ticket Studios in Lincoln, 402-464-5685. If you have any thoughts on Nebraska, 17-9 win over Northwestern. We go to our uh, VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We welcome in Tom Chatel of the Omaha World Herald here on the Husker Extra Hour. Tom, it's a beautiful day outside, a beautiful day for football yesterday, and a beautiful win. Your column spoke to me. Winning is beautiful. doesn't matter how it looks. I like that column. I'm one of those people that has made my derision for the Iowa way of doing things, some of the Big Ten West way of doing things, clear over the last few years. But darned if I'm not starting to embrace, you know, don't call it winning ugly. I think you have a point because winning's beautiful, but winning in maybe a less than aesthetically pleasing way.
2: Yeah, it just depends on what side of the, the line you're looking at. If you're looking at the defense... It's a beautiful defense, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that that's a uh, that's a defense that would hold up in, in any era of, of Nebraska football. Um, but the uh, offense is uh, well, it's got issues, and we knew that all, you know all along. We yeah, they, they, they 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 started the year with they don't have a lot of playmakers, um, and we, we we weren't sure about Jeff Sims. And he played two games, and he made plays for both teams. Um, but that's all we've seen from him. Harburg is uh, a guy with, like uh, I said, he's he's fun to watch. He's got flaws, but he fights. He's resilient. He's he's kind of a guy you can you know from from a fan standpoint, um, you can really like him a lot. Um, but they just, they're injured. They just keep losing, you know, running backs and receivers. Uh, they didn't have that many, uh, to start with. So I look at it this way. Um, you know, well, you know, when is the Nebraska thing to argue with winning up after the last six years <laughs> or seven years or whatever it's been, you know, it's just, uh, just go enjoy it. And, um, there are high expectations for this year, and any, anything like going to a bowl, it, it almost seems like overachieving a little bit. So, um, yeah, just have fun and you know, see where it goes. They're not there yet, but uh, that was a big one yesterday.
1: It was a big one yesterday after a big one on a Friday night in Champaign. To me, just like you said with Harburg, the resilience, I think on a team level, is something that we've seen more from this group than we have in the last few years, from the four or the the three turnovers in the fourth quarter against Illinois, the defense bows up. Two turnovers on the Nebraska side of the field in the first quarter, the defense bows up. But even on the Heinrich Hardberg part two, he didn't bow his head, right? He responded really well. Not not perfectly, but really well, took care of the ball from the interceptions and the the drop fumble there on. The resilience is that because players are more confident in their abilities is that Matt rules messaging to his team before and after the game where did this you know mental toughness over these last few weeks come from
2: yeah I think I think they inherited some of that they, uh, they were pretty resilient and and tough as the second half of the last season they uh, they were in a lot of games they they I managed to win a few I, I and, and uh, even even rule said in the spring that uh, he he uh, really complimented uh, Mickey Joseph and uh, Bill Bush for you know the way they they kept them they the players fighting. So to give him a little bit of credit there. I just think it, it's the the resilience and fight is the, the theme of the year, and it's going to be that every every week. Uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say tomorrow. The Monday press conferences are like a, a, a weekly speech, not only to us, to the fans, but also his team. So, what's the message tomorrow? You know, the, the Monday message. Um, and um, you know, I, I think I think it's just it's, it's, it's what these coaches want to get out of this season. Obviously, they want to win. They want to go to a bowl. But to me, I you know I, I figured out the the first building block of this. Uh, of this project is, is to um, fight through everything and, uh, you know, never, I never take a playoff and, and I will always play to the end and uh, expect to, you know, expect good things to happen. It, you know, so um, it, it's, it's really an interesting thing to watch. I'm, I'm really, if I don't, I'm, I'm, tired, I'm so tired of, of winning and losing, and of course a lot of losing. But just you know, riding the roller coaster every week of every every game is sort of a you know, uh, I guess a statement of where the program is. And it's just, and I, it's just so refreshing to just for for, for, for me, me to focus in on. Yeah, I've never seen a program really built from the bottom. This this might be fun to watch. So I'm focusing on that. So. um so, yeah, I think to answer your question, it's it's it, it's this year's theme, and
1: you know he came out
2: of Michigan saying, okay, you know we're gonna find out what we're made of, and they practiced right after the game, and, and all of the thing was how are you gonna to react to Michigan? And Then it was okay, you, you you had a nice win in Illinois, are you are you are you gonna let down and and are 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 gonna keep fighting? And uh, so I'm sure to see what he says now. <laughs> okay, right? Is, well, you know what I mean? It just be like, okay, what's this year, or you know, what's this big theme going to be? So, um, you know, it, Purdue is not going to be easy, and Northwestern wasn't easy. Um, but man, it's sure it's a hell of a lot easier when you got that when you got a defensive line playing like that.
1: Okay, you said the first building block was mental. The second is along the lines. Reading your columns, talking to you, I know you're a big line guy, so I want your thoughts on Tony White and Terrence Knighton and the, the rest of the defensive staff too, but mainly White and, and Knighton throwing out a five-man defensive line at sometimes against Northwestern, including a, a guy named James Williams who's on the scout team, who's every, whose name everyone had to look up. What did you make of that move? Did you like it? Do you think it was interesting, innovative? It, it clearly worked.
2: Yeah, it's... Um... You know, they they seem to be be, uh, pushing a lot of the right buttons on defense Um, with the uh, the personnel. um, He's on the scout team over this week, and he's out there doing that. Um, I I just I don't think it's you know people who got caught up in the scheme on defense. I don't think anything they're doing is about scheme. I think it's um, it's 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 effort, and it's it's they're they're just playing. it's just, you know, just peddle the metal all every play. I just I just love the way they're playing. And I'd, I'd love to know what's going on there. Um, the, the, the polar bear is mm-hmm. on fire. It has been all season. Now, what got into him? Um, you know, sometimes these things happen. And when you get a new coaching staff, uh, some players, uh, maybe you're – you know, maybe the the bear was just ready to come out this year, or maybe something quick with this with the staff. I think that I, 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 there's a lot there's a lot to that.
1: Nash Hutmacher, two and a half sacks. The defense eight as a unit, thirteen total tackles for loss. Um, but on the other side of the trenches here, Tom, the offensive line, Ethan Piper goes down, starting left guard. That's a big loss for this team. We know about all the injuries to the skill positions, but Ethan Piper's played some good football for this this team. To see him go down just when Nebraska was trying to ice the game and run the ball—that's disappointing. What do you make of his injury for that that group?
2: Yeah, I didn't see it, and it's just—it's—it's it's really too bad. Um, he was playing well, and you know, in Illinois, he he, he stepped up as, as as like a leader, and he had a. Uh, injured hand, and he still played, and and um, and, and, and he was out. He, he, I mean, he was out there playing well. I I don't, I don't know who's left. <laughs> they kept, you know, they they, they brought some guys on yesterday to, uh, you know, one guy was is that a center? And he had to play center for a while because Ben Scott was out. It's uh it's a patchwork group in a lot of ways right now. It's. Uh, and um, they could really use some help from the receivers, these the, the, the young receivers. Um, so maybe we'll see as as, as numbers uh, dwindle, maybe on the line, maybe some of the receivers will, will start to, I mean Malcol Coleman yesterday was was just um, a godsend. he just kind of mm-hmm. he just you know. M- you know the the timing of his play was incredible. I mean, otherwise they, you know, it's it's still a tight game. It's it's still a field goal game in a way. So it, it came down to that. And I'm just thinking, you know, don't keep Northwestern in the game. And um, so that that play point right when they, you know, I've I kind of look looking at the play calling of that game going, Oh man, you know, they come out of the gate passing and two interceptions and against the wind. And I'm just, just I'm just kind of snickering and, and you know, I chuckle all game, but whenever they went, went back to pass, like, what are they doing? You know, they they the earth Western gives up so many yards rushing. Why are they doing this? And, um, so when Harvard went back to passing that play, I'm going oh, here we go <laughs> <laughs> and he and all of a sudden it's this beautiful spiral uh caught right inside the you know the the end line the go line it just uh the, the back of the end zone just um wow it was like okay I can get on board with this and uh you know Coleman made a great a great play uh he out, outran everybody and um it was, um, yeah, you know, the, the timing of that was just perfect.
1: It was, and I was with you, kind of, kind of chuckling at some of the play calling and the decision making. Granted, I fully admit that I am better at playing armchair quarterback and coordinator than I ever would be playing actual quarterback or coordinator. But by calling that play at that that time, it seemed like the time to take a shot. Marcus Satterfield dials it up, and credit Harper, credit the O line, and credit Coleman. They they made it. I'm sure you've seen that play a handful of times covering Nebraska football. Did it look vintage?
2: It did. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe almost even a little, I would like Jamal Ward's, uh, you know, day two. Uh, but, uh, you know, they didn't, um, that, that, that was as good a throw as I've seen from, from many of you know, those old quarterbacks. So, it's um, just cool to see, um, you know, I don't, I think Osborne needs to come back and call plays, but it's good to have a uh, coaching staff. You know, I I I I, I think Thomas uh, connecting with this staff maybe more than he did with Frost and all the others. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he was really welcome in a couple of those uh, rooms. Mm. Um, I don't. I, I don't think Pelini wanted them around that much, and um, it's, it's good to see him in there. You know, and and making suggestions, he feels comfortable enough to make suggestions, and they're they're, they're going to use what he has to say. I mean, that's just smart. Um, I'm <laughs> these guys had had never run that Osborne offense before. They they don't know much about the option, or you know what what, what was going on, and and um, so it's uh, it's uh, there's some good karma, you know. There that that they uh, you know they're bringing Tom back. They're, 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 yeah, it's not being forced. It's, it's not for show. It's it's uh, it's kinda cool.
1: uh, kind of cool. Last thing for you, Tom, you and a handful of your your colleagues at the Omaha World-Herald and across Nebraska media pulled double duty of the Husker football win over Northwestern, booked it over to the Bob Devaney Sports Center for Nebraska's uh, one-versus-two showdown with Wisconsin. What a match it was, lift up to a lot of the hype. And it seems like that's a game that in Nebraska volleyball's special seasons, it finds a way to win one or two of those matches a year. Credit John Cook, credit Harper Murray for coming alive late. Credit the upperclassmen for keeping the ship steady, even down two-one. What do you make of the win for the Nebraska volleyball last night?
2: I tell you what, uh, the the, the um, there's just a different level, of, uh, you know, this year. There's just something different about this whole thing, and. Um, doesn't mean they're going to win everything or, or whatever, but, um, you know, they played big matches before. They played number one versus number two. They played Wisconsin every year. There was just something going on. The, the stadium match just cranked up the volume on everything. And uh, not only with Nebraska, but everywhere, I think, in volleyball. And uh, I, the two, the two, uh, I would guess sporting of the the, the the two Nebraska games that I've covered this year that, that stand out the most to me. The one I remember the most is the, the volleyball day in Nebraska mm-hmm. and, the, and the match last night. I'll, I'll never forget that. It was it was as good as any, anything I've ever seen at uh, Nebraska. And it was just uh, you know I had, I had to write a comment in, in like ten minutes, and I I wish I'd said that last night. But I was thinking about <laughs> it on the drive home last night. Just. You know that's as good as I've seen a lot of incredible stuff. Uh, College World Series, all those Orange Bowls, uh, Frazier, and all that, and that's as good as any of them. That atmosphere, the noise. Um, I was I was kind of laughing to myself. What? Um, okay, that that last that last year I heard. Was was it as loud as as when Jamar Johnson had the shot ninety two to beat KU? I just yeah, you know, this is the same building, but boy, it sure seems louder than anything I ever heard in, in uh, the, the the basketball uh, basketball days. Um, it was insane. It was, uh, and I you know I, I I found myself a little maybe as maybe I'm too much of a purist, but I was thinking man, it's too bad a match like that it has to end on a replay. And um, I've been kind of kicking around that idea. Maybe I might write about it this week. Uh, should replay, we you know, decide games? I, I don't know if I like replay or not. I mean, sometimes it's good to get it right. But like that Iowa game yesterday, I just mm. think, you know, if, if if it's a dead ball when the guy makes the signal, shouldn't the referees have just caught that and called it? Or, you know, they. I don't know. It's just... I, I don't know. I don't know if, if we need to go in replay and, and appreciate the game that way, but regardless, um, it doesn't take away from anything. It's, uh, it was an amazing thing. And, um, it was, I've never seen a, a match or a game. end like that, um, where you're waiting for a decision from the, the referees, uh, the umpires, uh, and it, Besides an incredibly uh, huge match, and so we were sitting there silent. People was waiting. All of a sudden, they give the signal, and everything erupts, and the, the players run out on the court, and it's over. <laughs> it was just, crazy. wow. I mean, it's like a like a last second shot, only it was it was a, a last second replay. shot. So anyway,
1: that's awesome, Tom. I appreciate your time as always. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll uh, look forward to talking again next week. Yes, sir. See ya. There he is, Tom Chattel, with us here on our Allo VIP line, brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Big thanks to uh, Sam McEwen leading us off here on the Husker Extra Hour. Tom Chattel joined us last segment. We'll step aside one last time, put a bow on the Husker Extra Hour, and get ready to turn it over to Tom and Mike for the Husker Rewind. Back in a sec.
0: Back to the ticket weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: I'm Austin Norman with you one final time here for the Husker Extra Hour in the 93 Seventh Ticket Studios here at 1040 O Street. Uh, Let's go to the Sardohaman text line here real quick. John in Portland says, Volleyball, those young ladies are rolling. uh, Just young enough to not be afraid, scared, just getting it done. Amazing, if you don't think about it. Yeah. Young, like they don't know what they don't know. I think that's a good way to put it. They're confident in themselves and their abilities. Obviously, to to play volleyball at a Nebraska level, regardless of what what age you are, what year in school you are, you got to have plenty of confidence. I go back to Harper Murray. Not her best game through the first three sets. Did a little bit of something in the fourth and then goes nuclear in the fifth set. Like Michaela Fecky stuff. Not just with the hard swing. She had a couple nice uh, roll and tip shots that went down for kills, but she elevated her game in the biggest moment. Tip of the cap to her. You look at Lainey Choboy, who John Cook said if he could name an MVP of the match, it would be her, the the freshman defensive specialist. For a team that's known for defense, right? that's what Nebraska has built this run on under John Cook, is defense. Wisconsin built on offense, um, but Nebraska's defense steps up. Now, Wisconsin, taller than Nebraska across the, the board, really, especially in the front line where it matters. They outblock Nebraska pretty significantly, but credit Choboy. Credit, Lexi Rodriguez, one of the captains, playing in the back row as the libero. Nebraska's defense did it again. Um, Nebraska still needs to clean up serving. Passing can always be better. John Cook will always, always, always stress those two things. But it just feels like there's a different level of confidence with this Nebraska team. Um, You look at Merritt Beeson coming in from Florida, played plenty of high-level volleyball in the SEC and NCAA tournament in her time in Gainesville. Um, You look at Lindsey Krause. You know, for the last couple of weeks playing some really good volleyball. Experienced returner, Alexi Rodriguez, maybe the heart and soul of that team on the defensive side of the ball. You look um, to the middle. Becca Alec is an emotional spark. Still a young player, but lighten it up. Andy Jackson is a freshman in the middle as well. Tall, lanky, athletic. Couldn't pay me enough to stand in front of a shot from her and try to dig it. You just couldn't. So. Big tip of the cap to Husker Volleyball. They take down number one, Wisconsin. That number one ranking will be back where it belongs when the next AVCA Volleyball poll comes out. Do also have to shout out the women of Husker Soccer. They claimed a share of the 2023 Big Ten Conference title. Uh, they beat Illinois 4-2 to two earlier today. They go 7-1-2 and two in league play. It's their fifth regular season title in program history. So big congratulations to the ladies of Husker Soccer. That'll do it for me here on the Husker Extra Hour. It's been a fun couple hours hanging out with you. First of all, on the Corner 3, big thanks to my guy Matt Hardesty for stopping by. We talked about uh, secret scrimmages, their purpose, some of the more interesting results from them um, really across the country. A couple Pac-12, a couple SEC, a Big 10, Big 12 uh, game or two sprinkled in the mix as well. Talk some Ken Palm preseason ratings. Ken Pomeroy, of course, the OG in college sports, um, you know, Numbers and analysis that way. We talked about that. And then big thanks to uh, Sam McEwen, who led off the 4 o'clock hour, the Husker Extra Hour with us. And Tom Chattel joined us in our last segment. For Matt, for Sam, for Tom, I'm Austin. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Husker Rewind comes your way next. Uh, Tom Stevens, Mike Melby waiting patiently in the wings. I'll get out of their way. Turn it over to the two pros. It's been fun. I'll talk to you tomorrow during On the Block 2-4. to Me, Eric Strickland. Look forward to hearing from you. Then it's been fun. Go big red.